This is our fall kickoff series, us being dying to serve. What does that mean? What does it mean for us? Are we dying to serve or are we just dying to be asked to serve or whatever other issue or possibility that there is. So dying to serve, we're going to be done with, done with choose your own topic this week and on to this issue. Very important issue and it goes with the arc um, of our theme for this year. Dying to serve. Dying to serve. Are we ready? Are we ready to do that? Are we ready to be the people that God created us to be? Dying to serve. Our four-week series then is why ministry is a must. For us who claim to be followers of Jesus, ministry is a must for us. We must do it. We must accomplish it. We must be involved in ministry. We're going to spend the next four weeks talking about why that is and what it means for us. Here's our strategy. is This week we're going to talk about why we must serve. Why it's critical, why it's important, why it's a necessity, why we must serve, why we must get involved in what God is doing, why it's that absolutely positively critically important. We're going to see what the Bible says. We're going to look at a passage today that some of you may may know. It's a pretty famous passage, but we're going to really strike to the heart of the passage. I know a lot of times when they do this passage in church, they kind of get trapped up in the language and this, that, and the other. We're going to get right to the heart of it this morning. Real simple message, a challenge though, and let me just warn you in advance, yes, there is a chart this morning. I know that many of you hate my charts, I hate charts, but there is a chart this morning, and there's going to be charts the next couple of weeks. But don't make that the reason you don't come to church the next couple of weeks. I'm warning you now, there is a chart. All right, we're going to see what the Bible says. We're going to look in John chapter 21, starting in verse 15. So if you want to open your Bibles there, it'll be up on the Jumbotron as well. But John chapter 21, um, starting in verse 15, would be really awesome. If you have your iPhone, you can turn there as well. John chapter 21, verses starting in verse 15. It's right at the very end of John. John chapter 21, starting in verse 15. Okay, now, does anybody know John chapter 21 takes place after what really, really, really important event in the history of the world, in our faith? John chapter 21 takes place after, right after what? The resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus, right? Jesus went, died on the cross, rose again after three days, and John chapter 21 takes place right after that. Let's see what the Bible has to say. Later, Jesus appeared again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. This is how it happened. So just set up the passage, then we'll skip to verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. So Jesus said, then feed my sheep. So three times, very simply, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Peter responds, and then Jesus responds back to him. It's very simple. We're not going to make it more difficult than it is. Two ideas, really simple, really easy this morning. First one's going to be easy. Second one's going to be difficult. Here we go. Number one is that we should love Jesus. We should love Jesus. Now, I can say that. I can say we should love Jesus, and all of us are going to be sitting in church going, I'm with you, Pastor. Yep, we should love Jesus because we know we're in church and this is something that we should do. 
The problem comes in, in when, and, and specifically in this passage, when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? There's a question of whether he really does love him or not. We may ask the same question in the average church in the West in America today. Does the average person who goes to church in the West really love Jesus? Well, we're going to find out this morning, aren't we? Because Jesus tells us how we can know that we really love him. Let's talk about this issue of love because we are called to really love Jesus. But one of the problems is, is that we live in a world that's broken, that's messed up, and it pushes us and discourages us from really loving God and really loving Jesus. By the way, why do we talk about Jesus? I mean, if you go to work on Monday and you tell people you love God, everybody's going to look at you like, how? Mm, Religious person, right? Mm. But if you go to work and you tell everybody you love Jesus, they're going to be like, you are certifiable. Get out of here. You are crazy. You're one of those Jesus freaks, aren't you? Didn't you know that went out of style in 1976? Jesus is just all right. That's when it was okay. You were all right then, but now you're just crazy. And so some, for some reason, when we talk about God, we're a little better off in our society than when we talk about Jesus. But the Bible keeps bringing us back to Jesus. So let's just start real simple this morning and talk about knowing Jesus and loving Jesus. Number one is this. Peter saw God send Jesus to free us and restore us. So here's Peter. He's one of the disciples and he's out there. He meets Jesus. He believes in Jesus, starts following Jesus. And then Jesus does what? He frees him and restores him from all the things that he's done. Why? Because he says, I am the Savior and I will go and I will use my life as a sacrifice to set you free from all the bad stuff, from all the junk, from all the garbage that's in your life. I am able to do that. I want to do that. And Jesus believed in it. But one of the problems is is that why do we even need Jesus to begin with? Let's just start real basic. Why do we need Jesus? I mean, couldn't have God just waved the magic wand in heaven and said, okay, all you guys will be forgiven. We don't, we don't really need Jesus. We'll just do it that way. It would have been cleaner. It would have been more expedient. It would have been more efficient for those of you who are efficiency experts and very interested in efficiency. It would have been much more efficient. But why does God send Jesus? Why do we care about Jesus? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but let me give you a couple. Number one is because it would be really hard to know and follow God, a God who we cannot see and we cannot touch. God the Father is someone that we cannot see, we cannot touch, and no one can look at God and live, and yet it would be very difficult for us to follow Him. As parents, we have children. If you're a parent, you have children, you have kids, and you would like for them to come out of the womb already ready to go to work, pay their bills, do their own stuff. But instead, you have to train them for about 13 to 16 years. But for a lot of us, that's what happens. As kids, we get trained, we get apprenticed, right? We get apprenticed. And so when, because God sent Jesus, we have the opportunity to apprentice with him. We have the opportunity to follow in his footsteps. It would be really difficult for God to walk across the face of the earth because we would not see him, we would not see his presence, we would not be able to understand his presence. But Jesus literally has footsteps that we can follow. He literally has footsteps that we can see and walk in those same footsteps. We are able to follow him. Why else is Jesus really important besides the whole Savior thing? I'm not trying to mitigate that or make that not important, but I just want to... I just want to debate with you this morning about this issue. Why we should love Jesus. Well, what about the fact that Jesus is willing to come himself personally and get involved in our lives? He was willing to come personally and get involved. When I deal with early Christianity and we talk about Jesus' life, there's the smell factor. 
You know what the smell factor is? When you think about it this way, Jesus was in heaven, just enjoying life, enjoying everything, and then he came to earth and he had to deal with smelly, stinky people. I mean, he's born in a manger. Does that smell good? No. He had to go around crowded markets in the Middle East. Did that smell good? Nothing against Middle Easterners. Did that smell good? No. Have you ever been on a subway with 40 people? Well, supposed to be 40 people, but really 80 people after they get off work? No. Yeah, I have. Sorry. We don't want to do it. No to that. But yet Jesus was willing to do that. Willing to come and actually walk with us and talk with us to show us how much he loved us. Peter saw God and Jesus to free us. He saw that God sent Jesus to free us and restore us. We should love Jesus because Jesus is the one that God, it's his son who he sent to restore us and free us from our sins, to restore us back to God. But we should love him because he also demonstrated his love for us. He showed us the way. Even today, he's interceding on our behalf in heaven. We can look at it like this. Look at it like this. We love Jesus because he lived for us. He came into this world and he was willing to live for us. Not just die for us because that was hard enough as it is, but actually live among people who whined and complained and didn't like him and persecuted him and give him a hard time the whole time. Can you, can you imagine the guy named Biff that went to school with Jesus who picked on Jesus? How would you feel after that? He actually lived here among us. He also sacrificed for us. He didn't sacrifice solely by his death. That was the most important way. But he sacrificed just being here, just trying to help us, to do the miracles, to show us, allow the word of God to speak, to actually be involved in what was going on in our lives. He died for us. We know that because we've been to church. He restored us by what? Making us right with God again. And he loves us. Why does he love us? He loves us because what? Because we loved him first? No. Jesus loves us before we ever knew him or before we would ever know him. He loves us that much. He loves us because he loves us because of who we are as created people by God. It's hard to love someone who won't love you back. We all know that. And yet Jesus loves us even though we may not love him back. He loves us even though we may not always love him back very well, as we're going to talk about in a few minutes. So, well, let's get back to the passage here, because what's happening here is that Jesus is simply asking Peter, do you love me? It's really that simple. Do you love me? I know that sometimes it's pastors try to bring out the three different ways of love or two different language issues. And yeah, not really. It's not really accurate. It's just a simple question that he asks. Do you love me? So here's the question I want to ask you very simply this morning. Do you love Jesus? Are you here in church because you expect to be here in church? Are you here in church because you're bored? Are you here in church because we play good music? Are, are you here in church because for any other reason? Are you here because you love Jesus? And if you love Jesus, are you willing to show that you love Jesus? You know, here's one of the problems about showing love. I do a lot of marriage counseling. I do it all the time. And one of the big issues that comes up is people loving each other. If you wake up in the morning, let me just take us real simple. If you wake up in the morning, you're married, and you get up and you see your spouse, and you go over to her and you say, honey, I love you. And you give her a little hug and you, know, you say, can I help you with anything? Or you know, whatever the case may be. Or just say, you know, I'm going to get a shower, but if you need anything, let me know. Or B, you could get up and be like, 
Whoa, get away from me. I haven't had coffee yet. Yeah, oh, okay, don't talk to me right now, okay? I'm trying to get ready for work. I'm trying to think. Which one is going to give you a better day? Let's see if you guys are smart in first service. I'm thinking no. Which one's going to give you a better day, guys? First one, right? Why is first one going to give you a better day? Well, because you're trying in some way to show love to the other person. But the church is full of people who really are not showing love to Jesus. Oh yeah, they'll come to church, they'll sing, they'll wave their hands. But this is the issue with Peter. Because God wanted to know, Jesus wanted to know, do you really love me? And Peter said, I do. But you know what? Saying I do was not enough. Talk about why. Even after miracles, Peter still denied Jesus. One of, the, one of the things that we always face as Christians is the provability of our faith. A lot of people say, oh, you know, if I could see Jesus do a miracle, then I would be a Christian. But we know that's not really true. I mean, here's Peter. He walked on water. And he didn't like levitate for a second. He walked on water. How cool is that? How could you doubt after that? Seriously, how could you doubt after walking on water in the middle of a lake? And yet Peter still did. There is no way we can prove intellectually to people to believe in God. Why? Or to follow Jesus. Because two reasons. First of all, as we talked about last week, is the fact that when we become a believer in Jesus, the Bible gives us the impression that it's three things. It's not just intellectual assent. That's part one. Intellectual understanding. Heart affirmation, part two, but then what? Volition, gut, choosing. We know, we feel, and we choose to follow Jesus. That's what it is. We have to do all three. You can't just do one, can't do two. You've got to do all three. We have to do all three. Here's the problem. Peter knew in his mind that Jesus is the Savior. Because he walked on water and he heard it. And he chose to follow Jesus, but he chose to deny him. He's choosing to follow Jesus again. But the question is, is he loving him? Is all three working together? Second reason is, is because there's no amount of proof that you can prove to somebody. I mean, I, I've shared this example before, but it's a great example. I have a good friend of mine who did his PhD in, I think it's cell and molecular biology, and he's a professor right now. And he and me and another friend of mine who also did their PhD and also is a professor now, we were in graduate school, different graduate schools. We all went to college together. And we were sitting around talking one day, and I was sharing my faith with them. And with Chris, I, 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 I shared with Chris for like the whole afternoon and the whole evening trying to prove to him as someone who's basically agnostic atheist that God really was who he says he was and Jesus really did walk the earth and really did die on the cross and we should put our faith in him. And at the end of the conversation, he finally said, look, Douglas, I, I, I get it. I know that you can prove to a 99 percentile that Jesus really is who he says he was and that God really does exist. And I accept the fact that those are true. You've proven it to me beyond a scientific doubt. I don't want to believe in Jesus. And I thought, wow, an honest statement from an honest man. And to this day, he never accepted Christ, as far as I know. You know what? Our love for Jesus and our love for God is more than just seeing it. It's us choosing to do it. It's us actually doing it. When I do marriage counseling, <laughs> is the problem that person A that comes in and person B, they don't love each other? 
No, that's not it. Yeah, they're mad with each other. They fight with each other, that sort of thing. But it's not love that's the problem. What's the problem? It's how they show their love for each other is the problem 90% of the time. You know why? Because when we show love, we naturally show love the way we want to show love. We do. Guys, if you love your wife, you will go out and buy her a video game because you want her to play with you. And the ladies are like, oh, thank you. Ladies, you want to show love to your husband? You come up and tell him, oh, I love you, honey, and give him a little peck on the cheek and a little hug. And you know what it does for guys? You might as well buy the girl the video game is the same equivalent. Doesn't do anything for us. Not really. We appreciate the gesture, but that's not what it's about. And so the problem is you've got to learn to love each other the way you want to be loved. That's what unselfish real love is. So let me ask you a question. Does Jesus want you to love him by just coming to church on occasion and being totally uncommitted to him in every way? I don't think so. By the way, our whole annual arc is what? Lukewarm Christianity, lukewarm faith. Jesus says what in Revelation? You can be hot, which is good. You can be cold, which also is good in ancient world context. But you cannot be lukewarm because if you're lukewarm, I just want to puke you out of my mouth. Do not do this. But I made the mistake again of Googling puke to try to find something I could put up there. And even on safe mode, I highly recommend you don't do it. I know some of you will go home and do it, but it's disgusting to see all those pictures of people vomiting on Google. It's disgusting. I couldn't put it up there without getting sick also myself. And that's on super safe mode. Listen. We need to love Jesus the way Jesus wants us to love him. Peter made this mistake. Peter says, you know that I love you. And Jesus says, Okay, that's fine with me, right? No. Let me tell you something. Peter had just denied Jesus how many times? Three times. Why does Jesus ask Peter? Does he love him three times? Because that's how many times Peter denied Jesus. He wants to be very clear. wants Peter to understand and feel the hurt of being denied. And wants Peter to really resolve to be different. Isn't it easy to get so wrapped up in life that we forget about Jesus? It is. Let me ask you a question. How many of you are like, well, I go to work. That shows I love Jesus. I play Xbox. That shows I love Jesus, right? I come to church and I sing. That shows I love Jesus, right? You know what? I can get up in the morning and I can tell my wife, I love you, honey. And then I can proceed to take all my dirty clothes that I have that day when I come home from work and throw them all over the floor. My words will say that I love you. But my actions will do what? Say that I don't. The average churchgoer's actions and words don't match. Because they say that they love God on Sunday. But Monday through Saturday, their actions don't match. Actions don't match. 
Can I do our theme for the year? You might be a lukewarm Christian if you don't do what? Love Jesus. You might be a lukewarm Christian if you don't love Jesus the way Jesus wants to be loved. How do we love Jesus? Well, let's talk about this. If we want to love Jesus, we must serve others. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? In other words, more than the people out there in the world. Yes, Lord, Peter replied, you know I love you. Okay, good enough for me. All I need is just to hear I love you. Same thing true with our kids. Same thing true with our spouses. No. Then feed my sheep. Three times. Are we clear? If we love Jesus, we will feed his sheep. If we love Jesus, we must serve others. We must minister to others. We must care for others. The church is full of people who say that they love Jesus, but are not involved in caring or ministering or feeding other people. And you know what? You might as well tell your spouse you love them and then never do anything for them because that's what you're saying when you say that. We must serve others if we love Jesus. Now, here's the thing. Ministry is love put into action. Let me say it again because there's no better way of saying this. I can think of. Ministry is love put into action. If you want to show someone you love them, then show it by doing something, not just by saying it. Anyone can say it because talk is cheap. And the church is filled with cheap talkers because we know the language. We know how to say all the religious words. We know how to act like we love Jesus. But the people that love Jesus the most are the ones who are willing to serve Him, serve others. The ones who love Jesus the most are willing to feed His sheep. Who's His sheep? The other people who believe in Him. What does feeding them mean? Ministering to them and serving them. The more we love Jesus, the more we'll love the people He loves. You know? You can't not love Jesus and not love the people that he loves. You can't love Jesus and not love the people that he loves. It's not possible. Why? Because Jesus loves them too. And he loves you. And because he loves you and because you've committed to him, then it's natural and it's normal. If you love him, that you'll love other people as well. You guys ready for the chart? Here we go. This is the monthly activities for an average ministry volunteer who volunteers in our nursery one time a month. This is an average BVCer who volunteers in our, in our nursery one time a month. First of all, this is by hours, okay? So in, a, in the average month, by hours, this is how much you will serve your boss. This is the average person, average churchgoer, serving their boss, right here. Serving yourself, right here. Again, this is average. How much you will serve yourself. By the way, that means watching TV, playing video games, going shopping, whatever it is. Serving family. Now, I was very generous here. Studies show that men spend like 30 seconds with their family every day. I gave men like 1.6 hours or something per day on average. I know that's a lie, but I know you're going to work on it. So serving family right here, very generous. Now, this is the one I hate the most. Sleeping, eating, and hygiene. I'm not against eating and hygiene, okay? I, this sounds really bad for first service. I, I hated it. I'm not against eating and hygiene, okay? I am against sleeping because look how much of your life you're wasting sleeping. Why can't we just sleep like an hour a day? I'm type A, I guess, so maybe that's why I feel that way. But that's, that's horrible. Everything else is right here. Serving God. 
Everyone see it? That's serving God right there of your month by time. Let me ask you a question. Does that show that you love Jesus? No, it doesn't. There it is. So everyone's clear. That's the average person who does help out in church. Not the person who just attends and does nothing in church. And does nothing in ministry. Listen. If you spent that much time with your wife or your kids, would they think that you love them? No. So why do we expect that Jesus will feel at all that we love him when we do nothing to serve him? We do nothing to minister to him and to his people. Peter asked him. I mean, Jesus said, do you love me? And Peter said, you know that I do. And then Jesus says, what? Be a nice person, right? Go to work and make as much money as you want. He says, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. This is what we are in the church in the West. This is us. This is us. We, we feel like we've done one little thing for the church once a month and we feel like we've done everything for Jesus. But I tell you what, I counsel a lot of marriage people, a lot of unhappy people who are married who feel the same way. You don't understand, I've done everything for this guy. Then tell me what you've done for him. And then there's a list about this long of what really matters. And that's why there's no love. That's why there's no love. We cannot allow our lives to be dictated by what we want and what society wants. If we love Jesus, we will do what he wants, which is to feed his sheep. We can't claim to love Jesus and not serve people. We can't do it. If you're here this morning, you're like, oh, I love Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you. And you're not serving and you're not involved in ministry then you're just saying it and not living it and it means nothing. Doesn't this mean I have to quit my job and become a pastor or missionary then? Isn't that the result of it? No, I don't believe so. But let me ask you a hard question. Does going to work every day, is that you feeding Jesus' people? No, it's not. Do we have to go to work? Yes, we do. Should we go to work? Yes, we should. Why? Because the Bible tells us that working is good. You know what I'm objecting to? That. <laughs> that. I mean, look at all this other time that we have that we're not using. Look at all the time we serve on ourselves. Right here. This is how much time you spend on yourself. And this is much, how much time you love Jesus. That's how much time you love yourself, the average churchgoer, and how much time you love Jesus. Now, let me just say one more thing. You don't need to be a pastor or missionary. All you need to do is just start serving God. Wherever, it call, wherever He calls, whatever He leads you to do, you need to do it. Let me tell you something about church. And this is honest. Every year, every church I've ever served in, every church the same way, the pastor gets up front and he says, please, please help the church. Fill in with the nursery. Teach the children. Do something. Please help out. Can't, oh, we desperate for a, someone to lead Awana this week. Please, can you please fill in? Please. And pastors and ministry leaders and 
elders and deacons, they beg and they plead with people to volunteer to serve. And you know what the sad part of it is? Is that every person who says when the singing is going on that they love Jesus should be dying to serve. No one should ever have to ask anyone to serve because every single one of you should be wanting to serve every second you have a free moment. Don't blame me, blame Jesus if you have a problem with that. Pastors, churches, crisis pregnancy, city team, they should never have to ask anyone because you should be so desiring to serve that you're willing to do it every, whatever chance you should be lined up out the door after this service. And don't tell me you're, you're not A type, you're B type personality. You don't, need to, you don't know where to serve. You don't know where to get involved. That's just an excuse that people use over and over and over again. Let me ask you the same question Jesus asked Peter. Do you love Jesus? If you say yes and you're not serving, you're a liar. You're not being truthful. You're not being honest. If we love Jesus, we will love his people. We will want to serve his people. Pastors and people won't have to beg. People will step forward and desire to do it. They'll want to do it because they love Jesus. If you love your kids, you'll serve your children. If you love your spouse, you'll serve them. You're willing to minister to them. Why? Because you love them. If you love Jesus, you'll be willing to serve because you love him. That's it. There's nothing more to say. Let's pray.